0: Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. And I do it because I get excited about hearing how other people have built businesses. In fact, sometimes the more simple the idea, the more exciting it is, because it just shows the potential that's out there for creating these new businesses. Joining me is a woman who was part of a company that I loved. I loved their software so much. They made Sunrise, this, this calendar software that I think had a lot of people who were huge fans like I was. And then it sold to Microsoft, became part of uh, um, Outlook. And then she decided to start her own company. And the company that she decided to start is not a software company, but instead it's a services company. She realized that her boss at Sunrise did not have a good assistant. A lot of people don't have good assistants. She said, what if I create a service that does it? And she got into that. Then she got into software again. And the software part did not go as as big as she hoped or as big as i would have expected she's back at services and the services are continuing to grow and i want to find out how she's doing this how is she creating and frankly alice i'll be honest with you her name is alice default the company is the company is called double where you can hire flexible uh, assistants uh, alice i've got to tell you i don't understand how there could be so many businesses that i've interviewed who are in the in the business of you know offering assistance and they're still growing oh really You've interviewed a lot. Yeah, what do you make of that? Like, you're not the first person I've interviewed in this space. There are others. How could this be such a such a market available for so many people to jump in?
1: And there's, I mean, all of us, right, have tasks that we need help with on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I think that the market for this type of, of service, and, and and obviously we you do the service, but we also build tech around the service to make it as efficient as possible, is massive. If you look at the data today... In the U.S., executives spend about thirty percent of their time working on tasks that they have no value doing, which is massive, right? It's like a day and a half of your week. what? doing your scheduling, booking travel, doing your expenses, researching things online, purchasing things, and that's that's big, right? And so that's why there's so so many um, probably services trying to solve this problem, or so many companies trying to solve this problem.
0: Uh, and you know what? And we used to think about this as something obviously for all executives. Then we got to the place where we thought, well, no executives need it anymore. We've got the internet. And then it became a thing just for CEOs, just for the top. And now what I'm starting to see is this understanding that, well, you know what? If you have an executive who's not the CEO, maybe they're a level or two down from the CEO, but they're wasting time on menial things like expenses and taping expense, uh, taping receipts to piece of paper or whatever. That's a waste of your company's uh, resource, waste of your money as a company, and also you're burning the people out, and so it's a nice benefit to give people. Is that what you do? Do you also do it with executives within companies? Exactly.
1: So we, we do have a lot of CEOs because they're usually the ones who own the budget, and if your boss doesn't have a, uh, an assistant, you're probably not going to get an assistant. So we usually mm. come into companies through the CEO, but then super quickly get the rest of the executive team on board because... The CEOs um, see the value of the product. They see how much time they're saving thanks to that, and so they want to give it as to the rest of their team because they know it's going to happen in fact. All
0: right, I should say this interview where we find out how she built up this business. Uh, Double is sponsored by a company called HostGator, which hosts my website, and uh, later on I'll tell you why I should host yours. But first, Sunrise. Here's what I loved about Sunrise that nobody got right. This uh, this calendar software, I would use it. And then if somebody said, Andrew, when are you available? I could just highlight on the sunrise calendar, the time that I was available, send them a link and if they could just book their own time and here's, here's, what's wonderful about it. Outlook eventually added that, but as far as I saw, what outlook did was say here, the available times as of the moment when Andrew sent it over, if, if Andrew booked something else in that time, the link doesn't change, right? that was a magical experience.
1: Yeah, it was an amazing feature. It was full meat out. Uh, and weirdly enough at the time, it really didn't get the, yeah. the amount of, of usage that we were expecting. We, we would have had to do a lot more iterations mm. to really make it amazing, but I miss it every single day. And we're actually, I mean, we're counter nerds and my company since then. And one of my co-founders was at Sunrise as well. So we, we've left together. Uh, we're actually building very similar tools now for our assistants. Um, so that, that tool that we built for Sunrise. We're doing something that's very similar for our assistants to be more efficient with scheduling for their clients today. So still at it.
0: And there are other other tools that do this, like Calendly, Acuity Scheduling, and so on. But you're leaving the calendar in order to do it. And with those, you're creating one link for everybody. If my wife wants to get together for a drink. I don't want to send her the main Calendly link. First of all, I guess if it's my wife, I should probably just tell her. But if it's a good friend of mine, I want to pick the specific times just for them. That's what was beautiful. What do you love about Sunrise? Let's go down memory lane for a moment.
1: I love, I love our users. Uh, and it's going to sound cheesy, but I was the first non-engineer, non-designer on the team. Um, so when I joined, it was mm-hmm. just a bunch of engineers and designers building this really amazing product. And I was hired to do everything else. So the marketing, customer success, support, I I, I ended up doing product after a while, but I think the love that we were getting from clients, or actually they weren't clients because the the software was completely free, but from our users was absolutely amazing. Um, I've had this. All cult following, I would say, like, people were obsessed mm-hmm. with the app and building for these type of users is such a pleasure, right? I was doing user research and everyone always wanted to do user research with us because they love the product and they wanted us to give, that. they wanted to give yeah. feedback. So that, I think, was one of my favorite parts of, of building Sunrise was this communication and connection that we could have of people that were using the tools every single day.
0: You were acquired by Microsoft for reported hundred million dollars. That number was public, right?
1: $8
0: million raised. So it was a big success and a little bit of a letdown for us, but it also signaled that Microsoft was willing to, to think, to think more modernly, that they were going to take their old outlook and find a way to be part of this whole new online revolution of, uh, of more user-friendly consumer style apps. All right. What was it like for you to go from being at a, a I think, Sun, I thought Sunrise was a small company, to go from being a small company to being at a giant company like Microsoft?
1: Sunrise was tiny. There were uh, 15 of us, I think, when we finally merged with, with Microsoft. It was a shift, to be honest. Uh, obviously, it's mm-hmm. the size of the company in terms of the the, the size of the user base. You know, at, at Sunrise, we probably had a bit more of a million users, which was amazing for a consumer app. Uh, Alt-Mobile, which was the app that we ended up working on, had 90 million users. And so that shift is, is obviously massive, but then also the culture had nothing to do. We were 15 people working on an app, most of us either in the same office, like working remotely, but kind of always together. And then you get to Microsoft and there's a product team and a product marketing team and a marketing team and a sales teams. And like, you have to have all these input from all these different teams, um, and the way you work is just completely different. And I think for us, that was the, the, the biggest shift of having so many different voices around the table where before we were just listening to, to design and to like research and now we had to design listen to the enterprise team or the sales teams and the marketing team. So I think adapting to, to that and kind of finding the right balance of what Microsoft does best uh, and there's tons of stuff that needs really real and then Still fighting for why they had acquired us, which was designed to user experience and making sure that we also had to sit at the table.
0: One of the things that uh, one of my past guests who I think sold his company to Microsoft ended up realizing while working for Microsoft was anyone higher up than you can just add themselves to the calendar. You don't need this whole calendaring system that Sunrise created, right? Like if your boss wants to talk to you, they just put their time on your calendar. They see it.
1: Yeah, no for sure. It's That's a it's, whole other experience. It's a, a very different experience. And I to be fair to Microsoft, the 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 first three months were really tough, right? And I think like most acquisition, it never it's, it's hard at the beginning, like a team has acquired the other one, you know, it's having to change a lot of their processes. Um but they also made us um they, they left us a lot of room to kind of push our ideas, push our way of doing things. And and after I'd say six months to a year. We really were able to work really well together. Um, design got a huge space at the table and it didn't. It. it wasn't the case before. So we did a really a lot of great things, I think, still, and, and managed to get everyone talking and agreeing on, on how to move forward, which was great.
0: So take me to this problem that I guess it was the founder of Sunrise had that led you to start this business? Yes.
1: Um, so it was a mix of a lot of different things. One of my co founders and I had been thinking about productivity for a really long time. So at Sunrise, obviously before that I was working at on an email app. So still in the productivity space. And then we, we worked on Outlook for a couple.
0: You mean personally, apart from Sunrise, apart from Microsoft, you just wanted to create an I was email not, app. I was
1: working for an existing email app that was called Front. I oh, so okay. a shared in box. Oh yeah. Based yeah, yeah. on MSF. Uh mm-hmm. I I didn't mean to like, just work on productivity yes think it kind of happened. And then at one point I, I gave up and I embraced the fact that this was going to be my life. Um, mm-hmm. But so we were building the best productivity apps with Christoph, my, my co-founder, who was also at Sunrise and then Outlook. Um, and we were growing frustrated by the fact that no matter how many productivity tools you have, and there's tons out there, right? There's like hundreds of, of tools that you can use on a day-to-day basis to make more productive. At the end of the day, we we're still spending a lot of time on tasks that we've had mal doing that we didn't want to do that weren't the things that we were hired to do. Um, and at that time, so we were thinking about that. And then Pierre was the, 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 the CEO of Sunrise, was looking for an executive assistant at the time, because he had also a lot of stuff on mm-hmm. his plate and um, wanted some help, wanted some support, and I think for him. Like, that was the best solution. And he actually, this process was super painful for him. Like, finding someone on Upwork, um, doing the interview process for an assistant if you've never hired someone before and, like, knowing what to look for and, how, like, what to test was pretty tough. And then he tried, I think, with, like, three or four assistants um, in, in a row and they couldn't find something that worked for him. And so he came to see us. And he was like, there's something to do around this. And you guys are thinking about productivity on a day-to-day basis.
0: You build productivity mm.
1: tools. Like, we need to figure this out. Or you need to figure this out because he was building something else at the time. Um, I had never had an assistant. I had never been an assistant. I knew about this space, but I did what we did at, at Sunrise. I did user research. I sat down with assistants. I sat down with executives and, and started to figure this out. Like what actually helped and did it actually make a difference? And it did, like having a great assistant and change your life like it is a game changer for a lot of people I don't know if you have an assistant and yeah. like yeah you know but it's it's really black and white right like the the, the 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 benefits of it yeah but again if you are not ready to move to someone full-time in your office I mean in that little bit so not in the office but even someone you have to find someone at Upwork right. or Fiverr or through your network and that takes time it takes energy and then once you have that person you still have to manage them you need to understand how to work with them what to delegate how to do things and that's complicated today. And so that's how we came to the idea that we wanted to build double with this, this idea that we wanted to remove all friction to find and work with an executive assistant in the most flexible way possible.
0: All right. So once you discovered that, what's the first step you took to build a business?
1: We onboarded a, a client. Then the our very first day of, of okay. double, we hired, or we onboarded our very first clients.
0: Your first client or your first assistant?
1: Both at the same time. We just went for it.
0: Both. How did you find your first assistant? How did you find your so, first client? So
1: uh, our first assistant was a friend of a friend who had never been an assistant, um, but was super excited to kind of join a very small start. It was just three of us at the time. And she had a really good profile to eventually build a community of assistants, like that team. Mm-hmm. She's now our customer success manager, so she's, she's, she's grown well. But at the beginning... We didn't have assistants. And so we wanted to have someone to, to do the job of an assistant so that we could watch it and we could understand what was working, what was not working and then start uh-huh. building. Yeah. things. So we found her and we're like, okay, we are could start the business next week. And we wanted to, to know what it's like to work with an assistant. And so the only way to do that is to have a client and kind of see what happens. And saying we found clients was actually still with us. Uh, so. Thanks to him because he's really not enough to figure out a lot of things at the beginning. He was very patient with us, answered tons of our questions. but he was at these, he's a VC and the time we didn't want a full-time assistant, but was curious about starting to to work with someone and decided to trust us with this experiment that we were running. So we matched him with Sophie, our our customer success manager, and told him, we're going to just see how you guys work together. And then we're going to build tools for you and we're going to try to, to build the best experience possible so that we can replicate it to other clients. And, and that's what we did.
0: Why were tools so important to you?
1: I mean, you said it yourself, there's tons of services out there who can provide executive assistance. There's staffing agencies, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of experienced executive assistants who start their own, you know, boutique businesses. You have Upwork that you can finance online and for us. Obviously, finding an assistant is important. It's part of our value proposition. But where we found that the real pain point were was also in like working with the assistants. How do you know what to delegate? How do you share context? How do you include your assistants in the decisions that you need to make so they have the context, the visibility?
0: Well, couldn't you just use Slack and Asana and a couple of other tools like that to communicate and email?
1: You, you could. I mean, and, and you know, and Bye. some of our clients do, but then in that case, there's no, we don't add any value, right? And we come with uh, a strong product digital background. We had built product agents for, for a really long time. And we knew that we could build a better way of working for executive assistants. We could build better tools for them because they didn't. Once, when we started three years ago, there were no tools that existed for executive assistants on the market. And so we built these tools and, okay. and, and because of that, our assistants, um, can be more efficient, they have more visibility, they can communicate in an easier like what? way.
0: What's an example of, what's the first thing that you saw that couldn't be solved with existing tools and you needed to create a new tool?
1: The the first thing that we, that we built for our assistant was a way for them to kind of keep track of all the tasks that they do for their assistant, for their executives. So for context, you have to imagine that we're not in a, in a traditional one-on-one relationship. Our assistants will, mm-hmm. will, will manage multiple executives. So each executive will have a dedicated assistant but that each assistant will have, on average, three to four clients that they're supporting on, on any given day. And the way it was done before is that when that's the case, you have, as you're saying, you have things in Slack, but then every, every one of your client has a different Slack, and then you're managing like four different inboxes. So it's kind of all over the place. They're texting you, they're using WhatsApp or they're using a Santa, like you have notifications all over the place. And it's really hard to keep track of everything you have to do. Make sure that nothing falls through the crack, being able to get updates on everything. And so the first thing we built for our assistant was a platform for them to keep track of all these tasks. Um, so in one spot for all their different clients and make it really okay. easy for them to get visibility into the status of the task for their clients.
0: To give the client a status. Okay, so it's kind of like Asana with multi-switch. But also, from what I saw, you also somehow embedded each client's email, their Gmail account, their calendar. Am I right? So we- and then there was a chat window. So there's a
1: chat window. The idea is to keep um, most of the communication, that's just a one-on-one assistant and yourself inside of the app. One, so that it's a safe space mm-hmm. for you and, and your assistant outside of word where there's always like tons of things outside of Slack, there's tons of things. And so we're creating the safe space where that the content that's there is is really for important for you to see, because if it wasn't your assistant, then it wouldn't, wouldn't put there. We don't embed. Your email encounter that would be a lot of work, uh, but we do integrate with with email encounter. So what this means is that
0: here's what I'm here's what I was seeing. Let me show you from the Internet Archive what was center stage of the site was this, this uh, that. Can you see that? Yes. Is yes. That, what is that? I thought that that was you somehow merging in their stuff, their, their calendar. And yeah. Their,
1: so, you know. um, this is, so it, 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 reiterated a bunch of maybe an old screenshot, but we do, we have a Chrome extension. So the idea is if it's in email today and they're answering mm-hmm. emails to schedule schedule. You mentioned earlier, we won't, we don't want them to go to the calendar, find the right calendar for the right executive, kind of find spots, go back to the email, type everything out everything else. And so. We built extensions, and this one specifically, assistants can access their executive's calendar right from the email that they're typing. They could select Uh, time slots, automatically copy them into email template, and then send it off.
0: All right. I can see now how this makes their jobs easier. Now the assistants aren't wasting time accidentally putting things on the wrong calendar, and this was part of your vision.
1: Exactly. Um, The current tradition was always, obviously, the the human is, is core to everything we do, and so that matching. I will work with really experienced assistants based here in the US. And that's something that we're super proud about and that we want to keep doing. But then the third was also about the products that we're building on top of these humans and how do we supercharge delegation, both on the client mm-hmm. side. So how do we make sharing contacts, sending tasks, super easy, super fast, very integrated with what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. And then how do we build tools to increase the efficiency of the assistants?
0: All right. do you find more customers?
1: There's a lot of different ways. Word of mouth for us is is really strong still, especially because we we target CEOs. And CEOs like to share secrets with each other. And so when you found something that was game changer for you, you start working with an assisted and it's really having an, an impact in your in your reads, then that's something that you want to share with others. And so uh, CEOs are actually really great ambassadors for us. So so word of mouth is really strong. We do grow a lot with internal roles as well, That I was mentioning it earlier when we onboard the CEO. Mm-hmm. Usually very quickly we'll onboard the rest of the executive team just because the CEO knows that the can
0: have. Is it part of your marketing? Do you check in with them and say, is there someone else on your team who can use this? Yes. It is. So you work, you land and expand. You work with the CEO and then there's there's an account executive who checks in and says, we can add this tomorrow. Exactly. Okay, so that helps. Beyond waiting for them to talk within their social network and promote you, is there anything else that you could do? Do you buy ads? Do you work with them to to I don't know, incentivize referrals? Do you do of anything? Of course, else? so
1: we do incentivize referrals. You do what? Um that's kind of the, on the side, it's on a, 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 the, our biggest acquisition shell. And then yes, obviously do we do paid ads like a lot of businesses out there that are that are performing pretty mm-hmm. well actually so far. We do partnerships with entrepreneur groups, with VCs, you know, incubators to offer discounts and, and, and promotions to the entrepreneurs they work with. We do a okay. lot of content and education around what it's like to have an assistant. Why do you need one? Who needs one? Um, and
0: still, from what I can see, the site is getting very little traffic with Double. dot com, right?
1: Yes, yes, it's with Double. dot com.
0: Yeah, when I'm looking at similar web, similar web doesn't even have any any traffic numbers because it's so oh, low. Oh, really? Yeah. But it's, you're saying it's mostly advertising that's bringing people over and some of the content.
1: Yes. Uh, it, it's, I, I, it's surprising. We're, we're getting good traffic on the website. We don't have any acquisition has been running for, actually, for the last few months. And we've grown well um, over the last year. So I'm surprised about the, the, the fact that you're not seeing it in the verse.
0: All right. I'm going to go to SEMrush. All right. SEMrush is showing more. It's showing search. It's showing more traffic. All right. I Now I've got a sense of it. Let's then talk about why, once you hit 30, you pulled back. Once you hit 30 customers, why did you decide that you weren't going to expand?
1: Oh, back in 2018?
0: I think so. I think that's when it was, right? You told our producer, we worked, we got to 30. At some point we were starting to feel overwhelmed. We couldn't keep going. Yeah.
1: So it wasn't really about feeling overwhelmed, it was more a question about focus, right? Uh, so. As I mentioned, we, had, we onboarded our first time on our first day, and then for the next few weeks, we onboarded one or two clients per per month. Actually, uh, again, the idea was to get as many situations and and um, use cases as possible, so that we,
0: one or two customers per, per month. month.
1: Yes, for for the next okay. six months, the idea being, okay, we're not. It's not about growth right now. If we wanted to do just like a assistant service, we could open the gates right now. But we want to make sure that we're frank. What's the best experience that we can, we can build from a product perspective. So we wanted to take our time, we wanted the team to be focused on that, to rule, make sure that we had a value proposition that was different from what was already out there. Um, so we took our time yeah. and then got to about 30, 30 cards, as you mentioned. And we're at the stage where we were still a very small team. There's probably like six of us on the team and hiring the assistants and managing them took a lot of resources um, and we knew we could crack that. But we also wanted to spend more time, again, as I said, like finding that value proposition that was really important for us and then making sure that we were building the right products. And so what we decided to do at the time was pause the onboarding of new clients, which meant that could also pause the, the recruitment of new assistants. And so solely to focus on the product only and making sure that we were building the right products for our clients and for our assistants. So we did that for about six months, learned a ton at the time, also tried to sell that product as just a, a standalone product so people, to people who already had assistance, also learned a ton about the market. And then eventually back summer of 2019, decided that we were ready to go back to the full service and product. And we launched back then. And then since then have been growing really consistently.
0: You did take a transition towards maybe becoming a software company, right? You were thinking, what was the vision there? Was it? Yeah, what was I mean, it? so
1: we are. What I would say is, we are a software company today. We are building software. Uh, it's just part of the service that we sell. It's not like we're not doing any software. It's like half of my team is a product and engineering team. What you might mean is that at the time we were thinking about doing a SaaS model. So the idea was we're building this product, and right now we also have to find the assistance and match them the clients. Is there a world where people for which have assistance? Actually, would benefit from using these tools that we're building to improve the relationship.
0: Uh, okay.
1: And so, for okay. for well, while we were focusing on just building the products, we also uh, experimented with selling the products to assistants that were, are like full time positions at larger companies, yep. and seeing what that what that did. We learned the top, and we got a lot of feedback. At the end of the day, it was far from the actual mission that that we had set out to achieve idea that we know we wanted anyone to be able to get support and really get time back in their day to day because we're just helping people who already had assistance communicate a bit in a better way with their assistance and 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 so the the value proposition for us was less exciting. And so eventually decided to go back to to the 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 full service.
0: And also there aren't a lot of people who have assistance and also would want them to live outside of the usual Slack, Asana, or whatever it is that they have, right?
1: It, exactly. We felt that our value proposition would be way stronger by kind of having the full package, right, of we've never mm-hmm. had an assistant before and we're going to help you find someone and then know how to work with them in the best possible way versus just improving the efficiency of the assistant that you already have and, and of which you're probably already pretty happy.
0: All right. I'll take a moment to talk about my sponsor. It's HostGator. Let me ask you this. If uh, I I like this model of offering services on a recurring subscription basis, if somebody wanted to go to HostGator, my sponsor, set up a website and build a business similar to yours, but not in the assistant space, what other space do you think this would work in where someone would want to hire an individual, not full-time, but part-time?
1: I mean, there's so many verticals, writing. And you can go on Upwork and see all the different verticals that exist. But uh, we, we mm. see things in the recruitment space. So, you know, if that sourcers or recruiters in the copywriting space, right. marketing, and, you know, the, 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 the list is, is super long.
0: Okay. You know what? That actually makes a lot of sense to go to Upwork, find a category that's hot but doesn't have its own dedicated site, and then turn that into a service. And if somebody were to do that. And I could see already there's sales and marketing there's writing there's translation people have done translation there's finance and accounting accounting um they're bookkeeping services but I don't know a place where you can get your own bookkeeper I don't know if that's important but there there are enough ideas in here to find one if they were going to pursue your model for their own business, what are some of the problems that they would encounter and what what are some of the ways to make it work
1: and I mean the website is something you do but it's not the main point for us what's always been The most important was the quality of the people we work with. Um, So, all of our assistants are contractors here based in the US. But having great people, quality people who are committed to giving the best service possible to your clients is, at least for us, the most important thing. Because if the quality is in there, then Uh clients won't stay with, with you in the long term.
0: Got it. So, you're saying the first thing, the biggest problem they're going to find is the people, hiring them, having the right people on board. What else? What's the next biggest problem that they that they could find, or one piece of advice that you'd give somebody who said, you know what, I want to do this in the bookkeeping space. People come to my site, they hire a bookkeeper, we'll get them connected." What what other problems do you think they'll have as they're trying to pursue that model?
1: And I think one of the other challenges is finding once you how how can your value proposition be different, right? If you're just saying like, "Oh, I'm going to find an accountant and then match it with people," mm-hmm. then people can do that everywhere else right they can go on upwork they can there's like tons of services and so the other challenge it's is what makes you different like why would people want to come to see you versus all the other options out there
0: uh, right right okay so i can see based on what you're saying i could see somebody maybe not going to upwork and coming up with an idea but maybe something like coaches you see that business people are now signing up more and more for coaches maybe you take one philosophy and you start saying we are going to offer coaches Based on this philosophy, you sign up. Yes, you can chat with them throughout the month, but you get one, one session a week with the coach. And because this is our philosophy, this is the place where we believe in this one approach. If you believe in it, we're the right people for you. If you don't, Go find somebody else, but now that's what separates us. All right, let me say this to my audience. Whether it's that idea or any other idea, if you need a website to launch your business, I highly recommend you do what I did, which is go to HostGator. When you go to HostGator, you get a company with a long track record and low prices, frankly, because they have so many customers. They get to spread their expenses over all of the, all of us, not all of them, all of us. I'm a customer, and they give you great service. I'm with them. I highly recommend that you sign up with them, too, to get an even lower price than their already low price. Go to HostGator. Gator.com slash mixergy that's uh, my my podcast name hostgator.com mixergy all right I see now where this where things were going in the business one of the things that you were starting to talk about was culture and hiring talk about how you keep a culture alive when you're basically embedding your people in everyone else's culture
1: it's a good question for us we're, we're not really embedding people in other people's culture obviously our assistants work with their clients on a day-to-day basis and so they have to know the culture well, they have to, you know, get along with their executives, they have to understand how their companies operate. Um, at the end of the day, the first thing is that they'll work with multiple companies and so they're exposed to a lot of different cultures. So for us, it is important to have also space on our end uh, where we can give them guidance, where we can give them support, where they can go back to ask questions. And so building that community for us has always been super important or based around the, the, the values that, that, that we're trying to spread and so. Today we work with about uh, a bit more than 100 assistants. Actually, we just passed the, the 100 threshold oh, wow. uh, last week. So we work with about 100 assistants, and we're on board 15 to 20 new people per month uh, at the moment. So growing pretty well, and, it, and having yeah this 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 common place for them to um, find the support that they don't find elsewhere has always been important. Um, remember, we work with remote assistants, so people who are usually working by by themselves at home. That don't have peers, you know. When you're a remote assistant, mm-hmm. you don't you don't work with other remote assistants on your at your company, and that usually don't have support system. And so that's also what we provide for them, and that's a huge part of the value proposition uh, for for assistants to join us.
0: So how do you do that? Do you have weekly calls? Do you have something else?
1: There's a lot of things that we do uh, to make sure that we're we're building a strong community from the onboarding. I uh, work spend a lot of time. Bringing in new assistants into our culture, our values, how we work, what's important to us. We have a buddy system between experienced assistants and new assistants to kind of share knowledge. We have a Slack group where people can ask questions, uh, get support, share their good stories and share their less good stories because there's there's also that. Um, and then we do a lot of different types of events from webinars to small group events where people can share their stories, things like that.
0: And how are you... S- how are you um, systemizing and documenting what you do? I'm seeing more and more people, now that they're working remote, go to write-first cultures where you don't tell us what you're doing, write it down, have a document. What's your process for doing that?
1: We um, we do share or we do keep track of a lot of the knowledge that's shared. Again, assistants are uh, have so much knowledge and they they, they 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 work on so many different things that they're it's a, a real resource for us. Um, so there's a few things we do. The first one is I was mentioning our onboarding process. We've written a lot or documented a lot what we think is required for an assistant that started with us from the kind of clients that are going to work for the best practices for scheduling or booking travel to, you know, just overall knowledge that we have for being the best assistant possible. And we give that documentation to all assistants. So they have access to it. They can dive into it. It's a good place for them to start. And then. As, as they start working with clients, we also document a lot of where we we build tools that make it easy for them to document preferences that their clients have information to get about them uh, and really make sure that everything is in one spot. How do you do that?
0: Is that like a CRM so that they have a contact record for each one of their clients? And if they find that a client likes an aisle seat versus a middle—well, no one likes a middle seat—an aisle seat versus a window, you write that down. Is that so, what you um, do? So
1: the way we do it right now is embedded the product. Uh, so when a client onboards the, the product, we ask them a lot of questions about, as I said, like their preferences, their friends, people that matter in their lives, their birthdays—all of the information that that is going to be helpful at one point or another. And that's the inside of the product. And then when they request specific tasks, we have what we call templates, which gives the opportunity to clients to, to share even more context based on specific use cases. So if it's the first time that you're booking a travel request, then we are going to to, to mm, ask all these I questions see. about like, what's the best seat or you know, what company do you like flying with, what's your um, customer number, things like that, and we'll explore all this in depth so that systems can have access to it the next time
0: they book a trip. Uh, now I see why you need your own app. Yeah, it makes total sense, right? If it's just a Slack and Asana thing, then you have to remember to go back into a Google Doc or a Notion Doc and write that down. But if it's part of the task software to also get preferences and then save them for next time there's a similar task, it makes a lot of sense to have it. All right, overall, where your, where's your revenue right
1: now? So we're now we're, we're uh, soliciting $4 million in annual and, and revenue run rates.
0: Okay. Outside funding or no uh, and funding? And we've
1: we've uh, uh, we're currently in the middle of closing a round, uh, so that's going to be announced. Soon, but we've right. raised six million dollars so far uh, in a pre-seed and seed round, and we've we've grown four x in in the last year, last ten months. So it's been a um, an intense year for us.
0: Partially because of COVID, is that? Yeah, it?
1: COVID was actually I mean a, a good year for us. Uh, the move to remote mm-hmm. opened a lot of doors for us. Um, you know, before people were made me more skeptical about getting an assistant remotely um they felt like they needed to see the person face to face that they needed to have them in the office yeah Uh, and the fact that everyone was remote i think made a lot of people way more comfortable uh, with the fact that of working with people they've never met before
0: all right the website is withdouble.com congratulations thanks for being on here thank you all for listening bye everyone